0: When I was a kid, I used to wake up on Saturday mornings and with my older sister and younger brother, we'd sit on the couch and watch Looney Tunes cartoons for about an hour or two every Saturday morning before my parents woke up. And if you've ever seen these, there's certain classic scenes. One of them is where, in one of them, and it's happened over and over again in actually different episodes, people are chasing someone like a Bugs Bunny, who's a little more clever than the rest, and they're all going around and around and a dust cloud is forming but at some point in time, even though that they were all chasing him and he was the one that was really leading this whole movement, at some point in time he steps out of it and at a distance just watches this dust cloud go on its own, wondering how long it's going to take them to figure out that he actually left. Maybe you've seen these. I've thought about that imagery before when I think about the current generation's critique of the church. You know, the mission of God is moving in this world, and we're all trying to follow on board, and that's what every church is really trying to do. But something can often happen in the middle of the Christian life, in the walk of discipleship, or in churches, and that's where we kind of become caught in this dust cloud, pursuing ourselves, caught up in ourselves. And the one that we were actually following might just be looking back at us, asking if we're still actually really following or even chasing after him. Last week, I asked you guys a bunch of different questions, and um, if I go the, can you go to the next slide for me? My clicker's not working, I don't think. One of the questions I asked you was this, what one word would you use to describe your current church experience? This is over 50% of the words that came back, some of them repeated a number of times, but they are these. Can you go to the next one for me? Over 50% of the words that you guys came up with to describe your current church experience were rather pejorative. And this is from the people who go to chapel. I was a little bit discouraged by that, but I also realized this falls very much in line with the things that we've been talking about and we've been learning Um, Lately, about your generation, the reading that I've been doing and the critique that you have of the church, of a church that at times we're seeing is really self-interested. I asked you another question last week in live polling of, if you were ever to leave the church, for what reason would it be? And 54% of you, more than any other answer and all the other answers put together, said it's because the church has problems, because there's something distasteful in the way the church looks. As a pastor, I've always found the church is always at its most unhealthy when it turns inward, when we have forgotten our primary purpose, when we've forgotten the Missio Day and the mission of God in the world. We need to recapture what it means to be an outward facing church, a church that is excited about God's mission in the world and constantly pursuing that on every frontier and in every way possible. If you can go to the next slide for me. And these are some of the conclusions I've been coming at through this book. And what it says in the last paragraph as it closes this whole summary of your generation says that we're going to need to rethink how we do this. And for the first time in American history, we've got to think from a post-Christian viewpoint. And the, the analogy that they used was you have to think like a missionary now. Because a missionary goes to another culture and expects it to not be what they are. They expect that they will have to change in order to contextualize or recontextualize the gospel. Missions does that and we, I believe, are going to be learning from missions in a new way in the next generation if we are to be the church successful in the years to come in our own culture. And so we're going to learn and we're going to take a posture of humility and learn from those in the frontiers, learn from those who are outward facing and have been learning from other, what's working all across the world in missions and in places where the church is exploding and not shrinking. We want to move away from being the selfish church, and today we've asked a special guest to speak with us on that. It's been his life's pursuit um, as a pastor, as an entrepreneur, as someone who's headed up um, missional efforts in many, many different places. Now he's the international director of Sawyer, and I could go on to describe many other things within his resume, all of which are very impressive, but the most impressive one I found online was this one, Ana, if you can go to it. This 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 is your 80s hairband picture, right? All right, so this is, will you please welcome, this guy, will you please welcome Daryl Larson, come and share with us this morning.
1: That thing haunts me everywhere I go. Uh, It's it's great to be here with you guys. I'm uh, anxious for the next few minutes to share a little bit about really this topic that's so important to me in my life, but I think for all of us in our lives, Um, and I greet you from... San Diego, California, where it's completely the opposite of this temperature right now. I think it's probably 90 degrees difference, um, maybe with the wind chill, but um, we love it there. But it's beautiful here. Uh, it's a beautiful campus, so I'm, I'm honored to be here. I think the church has lacked so much as I've grown. I grew up in the church and uh, have seen the church in all kinds of different phases. For me, one of the biggest things was that I found a, um, maybe a lack of compassion I had a lack of compassion in my life. When I was a young kid, I remember this marker of this one moment in my life when I was eight years old, and it, and it, was, it just stuck with me. It's one of those things that I regret. Uh, I was in my front yard playing with one of my friends, and we started singing songs and recording ourselves on uh, singing these songs. And as we began, you know, we were having a lot of fun. And, and then we started making up this, this song, and it actually, it's horrible. So what I'm about to tell you is... Terrible. Um, The song that we started making up made fun of one of the kids at my school who was severely handicapped. Now, eight-year-old kids do dumb things. But when I look back at my life and I remember in that moment how wrong that moment was in my life, that was the kind of something that started a catalyst inside of me that would help really shape me and develop my life as I've uh, kind of gone through life, because there's a place in all of us that lacks compassion, real compassion, the kind of compassion that, that the church should be known for, the church should be known for loving dramatically, but we haven't been known for that. And so this morning I just wanna get real practical and talk about, um, ask this question and maybe answer it. How do you and I live a life that's full of compassion for others like Jesus did. What does that look like? We're going to be in a really common scripture. you probably heard it tons of times. Luke chapter 10, if you guys want to turn over there. It's a story are probably familiar with, the, the Good Samaritan. But I hope to pull a couple of things out. Uh, maybe something that might be new to you. And then just talk a little bit about what it means for us in our life. There was a guy on one occasion that comes up to Jesus. And he's an expert in the law. And he's, he's really pretty much got it all together and he stands up to test Jesus which I find that interesting that somebody would just stand up and just out Jesus and and test him in front of everybody and he says teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life because he's awesome and so Jesus says what is written in the law How do you read it? So he answered, Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, you've answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, Who's my neighbor? I kind of picture him thinking, okay, so I've done all these things. It's awesome. But Jesus, what's the bare minimum? Like what do I, what's the least amount? Who's my neighbor? Do I have to love everybody? What does that look, look like? And so in reply, Jesus told him a story. He says, there's a man. He's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he's attacked by robbers. And they stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. So a half dead guy on the side of the road. Don't see that very often. A priest, so like the pastor. A priest happens to be going down that same road. And when he saw, this word saw jumped out at me. It's a word that is very strong. It means that, that he clearly saw and took in everything. He clearly saw that there's a half-dead guy. On the side of the road. So a priest, the pastor, he goes by and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, same word, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, and I can imagine when Jesus is telling this story, he pro- I, I imagine him pausing. But a Samaritan, and, and the, the room would went... <gasps> Because the last person on earth that you would think Jesus would talk about right now would be a Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans, they didn't really get along very well. And so Jesus throws this out. He's he's really exaggerating this story. A Samaritan, as he traveled, he came to where the man was. And when he saw him, same word, he had pity. He took pity. Big word here. It's one of my favorite words. Splanknitsomai. You can say that over and over. Try to use it in a sentence today somehow. This means he was moved deeply, almost moved in his bowels, very deep inside of him. He took pity on him. And he went to him and he bandaged his wounds. He poured oil and wine on him, kind of their version of Neosporin back in the day. Then he put the man on his own donkey and he brought him to an inn to take care of him. The next day, important thing. So this guy, he spends the night with this dude. The next day. He took out two denarii. A denarii was a day's wages. So think about what a day's wages could be in our world today. He gave him two of those. Gave it to the innkeeper and he said, hey, look after him and when I return I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. The guy orders room service, he gets internet, cable, whatever this guy, whatever he has, I'll pay you back for all of that. And then Jesus says this, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Well, the expert in the law replies, the one who had mercy on him. So Jesus tells him to go and do likewise. How do you and I show compassion like Jesus did in our lives? What does that look like for us? I think first we we have to take this command to love others seriously. When I was an eight-year-old kid, that looked like a, a bunch of different things. As college students, it looks like a bunch of different things. For me, as an eight-year-old, it meant like, for the first time, maybe looking at somebody who was eating lunch by themselves, and, and maybe I was going to be the one that would eat lunch with them. That's the way God would challenge me. Well, I don't want to go do that because I won't be cool. And I, But what does it look like to show compassion in that way? You might have i uh, been in this situation. sometime you're in a, a sports situation, and, and you have two teams, and, and you divide up. You pick two captains, and, and you maybe you're one of those captains, and so you pick, right? And and sometimes you're the, who do you pick first? Like, you pick the, you pick the awesome person first, right? Because you want to win. You want to pick them on your team, and so you go through this. What is really a, a terrible thing <laughs> Pick, 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 pick. And you go back and forth. And, and then there's the last one picked, right? Sometimes we're that person. Maybe because sports is not our thing. Maybe we're good at something else. But it's just, it's just one of these things I remember about school and growing up. And so potentially, maybe, what would you do to like upset everything? You'd, you'd be the captain. Maybe you pick that person first. Well, you wouldn't do that. What would it look like in real life... To love our neighbors. You see, we're really good at loving ourselves a lot of times. We take care of ourselves. We buy ourselves stuff. We, you know, we have all the latest technology, all those things. But Jesus said this, this is more like a 50-50 deal. You love your neighbor as you love yourself the same way that you love yourself. Over time, that one little thing in my life... Um, Going on my first mission trip, when I when I went down to Mexico to build houses for the poor, and I, I was there amongst a bunch of people that were living in cardboard and plastic, and I saw that, and it just was a shocker to me. Moments like that shaped my life because they really caused me to, to am I going to love people the way that Jesus loves people? And if I... If I am, then I'm going to go where he went, and I'm going to do stuff like, like Jesus did, and I'm, I'm going to really push myself in those kind of ways. And so from there to starting a nonprofit that works in Fiji, which we'll talk about later today, at 3 o'clock we're going to tell you all about that, how you can be involved in it, and how, and what an amazing job this, this college is doing at researching the lives that are being changed when you give clean drinking water to people that are currently drinking bacteria soup out of a, a river that's contaminated and you change their lives like on the spot with a tangible expression of God's love, uh, you can come and find out what that looks like today at 3 o'clock if you get a, a chance to do that. But from doing that to working at Sawyer, God's always challenging me with this idea of how you going to love. How are you going to serve? How are you going to have compassion? And it's with my neighbors, everybody around me. And one of the things that I've struggled with the most is justifying not helping. Like this guy does, right? But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? There's been times in my life when I have not seen different people around me, really. I had neighbors I thought that had it all together. I had college roommates that I thought had it all together, but they didn't really have it all together. But they looked good on the outside, but on the inside they were struggling. And I didn't see it. I didn't see the little kid that was at the school who was struggling with reading and, and just having a hard time. And I didn't see those children. How would Jesus challenge me to be involved in their life? Maybe I'd read to them. Maybe but, but you don't do any of that stuff if you don't see, right? And so... Here you are, here's Fiji. You think, Fiji? Why does Fiji need clean drinking water? I didn't see it, especially when you buy those, you know, super expensive little square bottles of Fiji water that actually comes from Fiji. The last thing I would have thought in my life was that people in Fiji need clean drinking water. So when my buddy, Simon, invited me to go over and and see it for myself, that 50% of the population doesn't have access to clean drinking water there, I was shocked. But then all the excuses came up. Well, Fiji's super far away. I I can't go there. I've never been there before. Who am I? What am I going to do? All these different things that were going through my head. And I didn't really realize what God was up to. And there comes a point in our lives when you feel God calling us to do something, and you have a choice. You either do it, or you don't do it. If you want to be the church that's different, if you want to be the church that shares the love of God to the world and is compassionate to the love of God in the world, it's not about who maybe made a mess of it before us that we can blame, but it's about who we are as the church. Jesus said that he he gave us the church. The gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. So we are the church. What what are we going to do about it? You have a choice. You either do it. Or you don't. The great thing I think is ready for this generation right now is there's a bunch of us and a bunch of you especially that are saying, hey, we want to be different. We want to be the church to people. Well, you have the opportunity to do it. But it's not going to come from justifying and making excuses, right? But you and I have to open our eyes to see our neighbors. Who's our neighbor? Right, a man's going down from Jerusalem uh, to Jericho. He's attacked by robbers. They strip him of his clothes. Who, who are the people in our lives that we don't see? Who are the people on this campus that we don't see? Who are the children in the schools that we don't see? Who are the people downtown that we don't see? Who are the people in Mexico or in Fiji or in Liberia or in different parts of the world that we don't see? We don't know who they are. We don't know. And even if we walked by them, we wouldn't see them. Jesus says we have to see. We have to see what that's like. And then we're going to have to be willing to be inconvenienced. And that's one of the great challenges, right? So a priest is going down. The pastor goes down the road. The Levite, the worship leader maybe, goes down the road. They see this guy. But for some reason, they don't stop. I don't know what it is. Maybe they're too busy. Maybe they're on a mission to go somewhere else. Maybe they don't want to get their hands dirty. Maybe they're thinking, well, what could I possibly do to help this person? All these ideas that are going through their heads, and you have to be willing to be inconvenienced. And sometimes when we're going to give clean drinking water around the world, it's not easy. You think, oh, that sounds so awesome! Let's go to Fiji and give clean drinking water. I want to. How many of you guys want to go to Fiji with me sometime and, re, re, and go on a mission trip? No one. You guys are weird. Seriously. <laughs> Fiji is amazing, but sometimes you have to drive as far as you can drive up the side of a mountain. You have to get out of the car, climb down, hike an hour or two into a valley, cross a river to get to a little village that's in the middle of nowhere that's forgotten by most people. They're drinking bacteria-filled water out of that river, and you're hot and sweaty, and you wonder how you're going to climb back out of that mountain. And you go do that, and it's not convenient. Well, let somebody else do it. Let somebody else go there. And so we have to be willing to be inconvenienced, but we have to pursue compassion. So if, if the ball's in our court and Jesus says, hey, follow my lead, love people, pursue, pursue it, pursue, go after compassion, right? But a Samaritan, the least likely person in the whole universe at this point in time, he does it. He sees. He stops. He bandages the wounds. He takes them to the inn. He spends the night with this guy. He gives the innkeeper more money in case he needs any more to, to take care of this person. It's not convenient. Probably wasn't on his plan. Wasn't on his calendar that day. Didn't think this would possibly happen. Yet this guy who's the most unlikely person, he does it. I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life I felt like that unlikely person. God, why would you use me? You know, God always uses unlikely people. (laughs) That's what he's good at. If you get in a situation where you're like, I want to help God, but it's over my head. I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no idea how I'm going to pull this off. I don't have the resources. I don't have the talent. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have any of this stuff. I don't know how to do it. Perfect. Perfect. Because God can. One of my favorite passages of scripture, I have it tattooed right here on my arm, is Ephesians 3.20. To him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's within us. If you and I can think it up, it's not too big for God. God owns all the resources. He'll give you, he'll introduce you to somebody with the resources. He'll do all of those things. He'll work in your life. What he's really after is somebody who will say, put me in. I'll do it. I don't know what I'm doing. I have some gifts. I'll give you all I have, God. And if you approach every day of your life with that posture, you'll be amazed at what God does. That's when God starts showing off. He's not looking. If you if you've got if you wait until you've got it all together and, and you think you you're all dialed and man I'm so good at this and I'm gonna go do this and you do a job that you really don't need God to do. It's not gonna go far. Because we number one we'll fool, fool ourselves to, into thinking that we're good enough to do it without Him. That's the first mistake. So I'm gonna save you guys a lot of time. Don't go there. Just realize that you absolutely need him to be able to do it and that his resources are limitless and that you can. And that he'll bless that. So we pursue uh, compassion. We move to action. Jesus says, which one of these guys was was the one who had compassion? He says, well, it's the one who had mercy on him, the one who did something. Not the one who talked about it. Not the one who complained about it. You know, oh yeah, nobody's taking care of these guys and we have this generational thing where all these people aren't being taken care of. That's not what Jesus says. He's like, what, what is it that you and I could do right now? Ball's in our court. Move to action. There's a prophecy. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. The word when he says, uh, he showed mercy on him. It's the same word that's used in, in Micah six eight. He has shown you, o, o mortal, what is good. And what does God require of you? To act justly and to love mercy. Love it. Love it. One of my favorite things. I love to say, you know, if you, if you follow Jesus, it's going to be an amazing adventure. He's going to take you to places around the world and do things in your own backyard that you never thought were possible, but he'll, he'll bless it. And, and I wake up, seriously, You wake up every day and say, somebody's got to have an awesome day. It might as well be me. Why not? What if? What if? Ask yourself this question. What if I did? What if I said, yes, God, even though you don't feel like you're ready. What if? What if you could change the world? What if you could give clean drinking water to an entire country? That is what Dort's a part of right now in the country of Fiji. They've been given, Fiji's been given 100,000 Sawyer water filters, enough to give clean drinking water to the whole country. What if you could change a country? Well, you could change another one. What if that tangible expression of compassion came through the love of God in a tangible way? Not a stand up and, you know, preach, preach, preach kind of way. You're going to share Christ absolutely with people. Not just in some social gospel kind of way or whatever with, without it where you're just doing nice stuff to people. But a blend where you actually show compassion. You share the love of Jesus with that person and you watch the world change. What if that happened? I want to encourage you guys along the way that you'll be willing to make a long-term investment in this. That's what happens here. This this, this uh uh, Samarit- the Samaritan goes by, he gives up his resources, his time, his talent, his treasure. You all have that. Some of you are like, well, we have all that except for the, the treasure part. That comes later. <laughs> right? maybe, maybe not now. But when you become that successful person, what will you do with it? Will you... Hold it all to yourself, buy a bigger car, a bigger house, a bigger this, and me, 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 me. That's how the church, that's, that's all those words that were up on the board. That comes from there. I, I believe this, one of the biggest sins, if not the biggest sin in America today, materialism. Materialism will keep you from seeing. It will keep you from many times doing but it's a great resource to be able to give. And so I want to challenge you um, as a, a college that you'll, you'll go places, you'll dream about places, you'll think about places, that you'll see wherever you go, that you'll, you'll be the church. And if you do, it's going to be Wild. I don't know if you guys realize, but in the next three to five years, two, the first two developing countries will have clean drinking water border to border in every household. There will be thousands of churches planted. Thousands of people will hear the gospel for the first time. And Dort's a part of that mission in Fiji. What if you could change a country? What if you could do it like Jesus did it? That's my prayer for you guys. The ball's in our court. No blaming the other guys. It's time for us to own it. And it's time for us to change the world. And I think we can if you follow Jesus' lead. So thanks. God bless you guys.